This is the Resilient and Resourced Educator, and I'm your host, Danette Adams. Today we speak with Linda, who has been an educator for 30 years. She has valuable insight on resourcing herself and others. Her belief in a student-centered education system has led her to create two unique resources that she shares in our chat. Please join us. So welcome, Linda, to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So let's, I'd like to start with a question that I love asking educators, and that is an educator, a teacher, or a professor, somebody in their life that mentored them that was memorable, like had an impact on your life. So can you tell us about a, a person in your life? Um, yeah, there, there are many, but uh, the one I'll tell you about is Sister Anna Runge who um, taught me grade 12 English and um, she had very high standards. And um, there was this one essay, Shakespearean essay that she gave us and I spent every weekend for about six weeks at the Metro Toronto Library researching and writing everything out on cue cards and putting it all together. And so, but she failed me on the essay because she thought I had plagiarized. And uh, then I, I produced all of my notes and she realized that I had met her standards and she revised her mark to an A plus, but um, you know, she was somebody with high standards and it took work to, to um, achieve them and it was worth it. So did she have an impact or other teachers have an impact on your choice to go into education? Um, no, I don't think so. I think the biggest impact there was my father, who was um, an elementary school principal. And so I saw, um, I, I just saw the life that, that he led and um, always doing things with students. And um, also, as a family, we ran a family camp, a summer camp. And so um, I thought, how do I do both of these? And I just looked at him like he did both of those. So that made sense to, to go into education because I love children and, and that was a way to do both. And, and I did, I wasn't camping for a long time. Oh, that's great, excellent. So as we head into a pandemic school year, lots of challenges, so many unknowns. What are some strengths that you are taking with you into the school year? Um, so one of the things that I do on a daily basis, and I've been doing this for three years with a girlfriend of mine, every day we text each other three things that we're grateful for. And, um, you know, it may have been the crappiest day. Like sometimes it's just things like, not just, I shouldn't say that, uh, but sometimes it's like, I'm grateful for a roof over my head and uh, I've got a vehicle and I've got a job, you know, like you get, you get down to basics like that. Um, and then other times, and we always say a minimum of three, but sometimes it's more, it's often more. Um, so just keeping that lens, that focus um, is really super important. Um, and also when things get really difficult, um, we have this thing where we talk about it's back to basics. You know, if you've suffered a tragedy or, or things are just really, really hard, um, it's always um, good sleep, good food and good exercise and that's the basis where that's where you start from and then you start building up again right so um those are a few things um that that help me help ground me and help right. me not get knocked over right yeah so your friend is a great resource for you when 
you need a bit of a pick me up by focusing on gratitude and then getting back to the basics. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I highly recommend that people do this. And it started with a, a discussion that we had three years ago around, she said, do you keep a gratitude journal? And I said, I have, but I just can't seem to maintain it. And, and so, and we were only together for a short period of time and then we we're both going to different places. And she said, okay, how about this? If I text you three things every day, will you text me back? And I said, absolutely. And, um, the thing is that we don't always have a long conversation. In fact, we don't usually have a long conversation about it, but um, just to have that little thumbs up from somebody or just, just a line or just an affirmation that, you know, and someone's following you on your journey um, is very helpful. I really, and I, and I recommend that it's not your spouse, that it's somebody outside, right? Right. Yeah, that sounds great. So I know on top of you being a resource for your friend and she being a resource for you, you also um, have several other resources that you have created. And I noticed when I started following you on Twitter because somebody posted your pivot plan and I went through it and I just thought it was exceptional and that more people should see it. And then also you also have another initiative called One in Every Five. So I would love if you would give us a little... Um, outlined at each one of those things, those resources. Sure. Okay. So the pivot plan uh, was born out of frustration. Um, I was waiting and waiting. Like I, this was all formulating in my head in April and May, but I thought, okay, other people are going to come up with this. The government has got to see this. Um, and then the uh, uh, Toronto district school board came out with, um, they said core French teachers, and I'm going to guess that it was also prep teachers to utilize them as um, classroom teachers. And it, when you do that, when you're pulling prep, then you have to give your, your teachers prep somewhere. And they said at the end of the day, and that idea was shot down. And at the time I was trying to get a hold of, a hold of them. And at this time of COVID, it's really hard to have a conversation with people um, on the phone. So anyway, I sent them a tweet and I said, excellent, go for it, but don't stop there. So in the pivot plan, um, I started with uh, the whole uh, reducing classroom sizes and then a whole bunch of other ideas came in too to just make it all safe. Um, but basically um, the essence of it is that we would um, utilize all of the people that we have on the ground instead of trying to hire thousands of teachers, which where would we come up with them anyway, even if we had the money? Um, so all of our consultants, um, all of our um, teachers who are seconded to the ministry um, and our prep teachers, specialist teachers, core French teachers, um, give everybody a, uh, a homeroom classroom, prep at the end of the day, or one day, say it was Wednesday, we could also do deep cleaning on that day, um, is a day to give teachers prep and um, not have students at school. So that was um, that, and then I, I, I just sort of looked at everything as I was analyzing it. Basically, it came really clear to me that the government's plan right now is very economy-centric. So back to school is to help the economy move, and I'm not against that. I think that's, I mean, we all need that. However, it's kind of like the APGAR score of a baby. When the baby first is born, they have an APGAR score given, and hopefully it's a good one, um, but they often dip a little bit um, before they regain their strength. And um, 
back to school is going to be like a dip in the APGAR score. We're doing pretty well with our numbers in um, our COVID numbers in, in Ontario, but um, it is definitely going to dip. So why not put all hands on deck to help that um, uh, succeed rather than um, set us up for failure and, you know, send us, send us into a lockdown. I really hope that doesn't happen. But um, so then the other components uh, to help that not happen would be no extracurricular activities um, generated by the school or external, external to the school. We need to have these children have two bubbles, home and school. And then some kids will have a third bubble, which is the busing. Um, and it's inevitable. Um, so if we could just keep it to that for a while and make sure we get through that difficult period and make sure um, everybody's safe and then we can start pulling these other things in. That's, that's basically the pivot plan. And it's also fairly um, economically uh, viable way to go. Right, right. So I would love at the end of the podcast on the, um, the final screen, I will put a link to that pivot plan so people can check it out. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Okay, so now as we look forward into the future of education, I'd love to hear more about one in every five. Okay, that was also born out of frustration. Um, I was um, I was a union steward at my school, and um, I just when when the idea first gelled in my head, but that was probably at least fifteen years ago. And it was only about four and a half years ago that I actually thought, gosh, maybe this could be a reality. So why not try, right? It won't happen within my career. However, um, in Finland, it took them 30 years to revitalize their education system. And they've done such a good job. So I figured you need to start somewhere. So basically, one every five... Um, the concept is that everybody who makes decisions that affect the child in the classroom would teach one year every five years. Um, so that's Minister of Education, Deputy Minister, Directors of Education, Superintendents, Consultants, anybody seconded to the Ministry, anybody in our federations, uh, principals, vice principals, specialist teachers, like everybody would have a homeroom class every five years so that they can remember what it's all about. Um, and I imagine that this um, ivory tower that we have right now would become a level playing field and a circle that um, conversations would change uh, dramatically and um, always like the fails, uh, the, the way of Sorry, the word is escaping me. Um, it'll come to me. But when, when administrators are making decisions about what should happen in the classroom, they always have in the back of their mind two things. One, I'm going to have to live with this when I go back into the classroom. And two, um, it, it needs to be doable for that reason. Um, and then when they come out of the classroom, they have such a wealth of knowledge to share. And just imagine, you know, if your superintendent was across the hall from you, um, it would be very humbling for them. And it would be very empowering for you as a teacher to be, because 
they would be starting from scratch pretty much, you know, and they'd be reliant on everybody around them. I just think it would be um, also one way of raising respect for teachers hugely. So that's kind of the concept. And right. when I'm retired, I will really uh, continue to push for it. Right. And that working that one year in the classroom, not, they would also again have to be collaborators because teachers very often collaborate. Uh, they, they share information about students, how to reach this one student, how to, how to collaborate and, and cross teach, right? It just would be, it would be an amazing for someone who hasn't been in the classroom for years reminded of the power of that on the, on the life of the student as well as on the life of teachers so exactly. yeah and and some administrators so there's not there hasn't been one teacher that i've talked to about this that hasn't said oh my goodness that's brilliant um people who are invested in the administration side however just sort of look at me like i am really threatening them um, with this concept and uh very few really embrace it um and I've had people say to me, well, okay, I can see maybe, you know, uh, a few months, maybe three months. And I thought, you know, anybody can limp their way from September till Christmas kind of thing, but you need to have the responsibility that you give your teachers from September to June. You need to see each student through. You need to, you need to push them to get the gains that you want. And you need to test the things that you have put in place and are they working? Um, and, and exactly what you're saying there, that collaborative piece is huge, huge. I think it would be so amazing in terms of relationship building. Right, um, yeah. The culture right? of the school would be so different if the decisions being made were collaborative. Right, and then it goes the other way too because now we have experts in our school and the things that we can learn from them um, you know, as teachers on the ground, the things that we can learn about the perspective of a superintendent or a consultant or a principal or a director, you know, like um, these are all important perspectives for everybody to have. It just strengthens the whole, um, the whole system. The system. And like you said, the, the profession, the respect would be yes. there again for the profession that, that seems to have been lost. Yeah. Yes. Years. And who wins? The students win big time. And it's my uh, impression that right now, um, the classroom is not a revered place to be. It should be the most precious place to be and that people should be trying so hard to get there. And um, one administrator told me point blank, I worked too hard to get out of the classroom to go back. And others, you know, you can read between the lines and what they say. And it's just, that's wrong. That's wrong. And if, if we were to bring something like this in, I mean, it would take a lot to do it, but it's, that's not to say that it couldn't happen. If we were to bring something like this in, um, I can see some people leaving the profession. And those people who leave are, are the right people to leave right. because we don't need people who aren't all about the kids. Passionate about being in the classroom with the students, right? Yeah. Well, Linda, this has been so enlightening. Um, I plan on continuing to follow you on social media, even after you retire, whenever that is, because I would love to see uh, what happens with this project. It's, it's quite exciting. So thank you so much for joining me today and all the best as you go into this school year.
Perfect. Thanks, Danette. Okay. You do Thank great you. work. Take care. Be well. Okay. Yeah.